Hi, I'm Steve Clemens, and I have a question. How did relations between the United States and Turkey fall apart? And then how did they come back together again? Let's get to the bottom line. For a lot of years, it seemed like relations between the United States and Turkey just couldn't get any worse. Even though they've been close NATO allies for decades, they were going in opposite directions, kind of like a divorce or a train wreck in really slow motion. Washington was supporting Kurdish fighters in Syria, which was a major blow to Ankara. And Turkey was buying S-400 anti-aircraft systems from Russia, not something that made Washington very happy. It wasn't just a war of words. Former President Donald Trump promised to devastate the Turkish economy, and he sanctioned Turkish officials. The Turkish lira is now just worth about a third of what it used to be a few years ago. Ouch. But then out of nowhere came Afghanistan to breathe new life into the Turkish-U.S. relationship. Suddenly, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was tweeting remarkable words last month. He said that Turkey was, quote, an important NATO and ally and an invaluable partner in the region. We haven't heard anything like that in a while. And this week, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan was in New York for the U.N. General Assembly and for the opening of a massive Turkish skyscraper in midtown Manhattan, Turkavi Center. So where are things headed now? Are the two countries still on a collision course? Or is this the high point of a roller coaster ride? Today we're talking with Howard Eisenstadt, who teaches Middle East history with a focus on Turkey at St. Lawrence University in New York, and Galip Daley, a researcher on Turkish affairs at the German Institute for International and Security Affairs, Chatham House, and Oxford University. Gentlemen, it's great to be with you. Howard, let me just, you know, put, put this uh, uh, Tony Blinken tweet up for a moment. And he basically says, I spoke with the Turkish foreign minister about joint efforts to ensure a safe and orderly evacuation from Afghanistan. Turkey's an important NATO ally and an invaluable partner in the region. Look, could this tweet have been sent six months ago? Yes, I think it could. Actually. <laughs> I think, I think, I mean, I think that, that there's, the relationship is in real trouble. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be a relationship going forward, but we're in a process of retooling. I think that what we saw in the the Blinken uh, message was was that you know the United States would like to cooperate with Turkey and is delighted that there is this place of location of uh, this place for cooperation. That doesn't take away all the tension points, but it points to the fact that I think the U.S. and Turkey are both coming to a a place where they are going to agree that there are areas of cooperation and of real tension. Gallup, you know, I, I, I think that Howard Eisenstadt sees less whiplash in this relationship than I do. But, but how do you see it from your perspective? You, you know this area uh, uh, almost better than anyone I know. Do you feel that Erdogan is playing his chessboard well right now to say, you know what, you've got a problem and you've been nasty to us, but now we can fix it? And, and is there a price that Erdogan is putting on his taking some of the pressure off the U.S. with, with, with regard to Afghan refugees and, and other issues with regard to managing Afghanistan? Well, I think this question also uh, takes us to the essence of the Turkish-U.S. relationship. Because unlike Turkish-European relationship, Turkish-U.S. relationship is essentially a security partnership. It's essentially was driven by the geopolitical and security imperative. So it is very unidimensional. And now the Turkey basically utilizes a geopolitical file to amend the relationship. Because the previously, the major crisis in Turkish-U.S. relations in recent years has been 
largely related to the geopolitical files. Mm. In Syria, Syria has become the major crisis point because in Syria, both actors look at each other's local partners through the lens of terrorism. Uh, both actors look at each other's uh, goals uh, as being inimical to their nation's interest. And even when it comes to Turkey's purchase of S-400 missile system from, the, uh, from uh, Russia, the U.S. doesn't see this as Turkey is totally buying a, a security instrument. Rather, the U.S. sees this as a manifestation of Turkey's geopolitical identity. And this is why uh, the crisis was so deep and was so difficult to resolve it. Now, for a while, the Turkey was looking for a good geopolitical crisis to remind the U.S. its importance. For some time, Turkey thought that the Ukraine can serve this because in Black Sea, Turkey largely operates as an uh, as an uh, NATO uh, actor. Its uh, position is very uh, closer to that of the NATO and that of the Ukraine, and thought that that can serve it. It did not. Uh, at least it hasn't uh, it hasn't served that purpose yet. But in Afghanistan now, Turkey thinks that Afghanistan can be such a, in a sense, a good crisis, a crisis that can uh, facilitate a new dialogue with the U.S. This Afghanistan story can serve as an icebreaker in the relationship. But it is unlikely to be, in a sense, the relationship builder. It is unlikely to overcome the nature of the crisis in Turkish-U.S. relationship. But I think that Afghanistan can serve uh, can serve uh, to, you know, to a bit change the climate of the relationship, to change the language of the relationship. Because let's not forget, uh, Blinken, in his confirmation speech, referred to Turkey as our so-called uh, strategic partners. Now the Blinken calls Turkey is as uh, our uh, strategic partner, invaluable partner in a difficult region. So the language has dramatically changed, but all the files are still there. The S-400 crisis has not been resolved. The uh, difference between Turkey and the uh, U.S. on Syria is there. The Halkbank case, uh, which is the Turkey's second largest bank, is on trial in New York, is still there. Hmm. So the other topics, like the Eastern Mediterranean, has not been resolved. So the Sources of tension, the source of the crisis are there. But I think right now the Afghanistan can serve to a bit diffuse the climate that was extremely toxic. Well, uh, thank you, Gallup. And Howard, let me ask you this question. And, and I apologize for my naivete in this. And, and, and maybe things have moved in a way that I don't know. But one of the questions about countries like Turkey or countries like Hungary with Viktor Orban is do they constitute democracies anymore? Hungary is a member of the European Union. Uh, Turkey is not, but it's a member of NATO, which nonetheless says it shares values. And, and that's a values-based as well as a security alliance. And I think my question is, there, there are more elections coming up in Turkey. And I'm watching this hug fest from Tony Blinken, asking myself, is the next step an invitation to Biden's summit of democracies? I, I'm not going to speak for the Biden administration. Um, but I think that you're... Your point uh, raises an important issue. Uh, Turkey's, Turkey's sort of somewhere between a democracy and authoritarian regime, uh, what political scientists refer to it as an electoral authoritarian regime. Uh, it uh, doesn't have a free press. It uh, uh, uses the police against political opposition, against civil society leaders. Uh, it uh, holds uh, uh, people for, for years and years on, on false charges. Uh, and this, this is something that, that uh, doesn't make a relationship easier. The, it, in fairness, the United States 
has lots of relationships with authoritarian and dictatorial regimes. It's, it uh, engages with Egypt. It engages uh, with Saudi Arabia. Um, but it makes it harder to paper over the strate strategic problems when there's no values uh, shared, and it makes it harder to paper over the values issues when those strategic issues are, are broken. I, I would I would argue that the the upcoming election is important for another reason. It means that it's it's more likely than not that as we approach the election, the Turkish government will uh, increase its anti-American rhetoric. So so while the the talk in English has been very positive, the talk in Turkish has been well a a advisor to to the president. President Erdogan was on television this week uh, say, talking about the potential for Turkish and U.S. troops to, to, to uh, be in a firefight in Syria. Thank you. Gallup, who's going to manage, an, I guess, an a la carte relationship better? You know, is Erdogan going to do better or Biden going to do better? You went through some of the touch points of Syria. You could add, you know, oil, oil lease and exploration uh, in, in territory claimed by Cyprus, the Greek Cyprus. Uh, when you have um, issues like uh, the relationship with the Kurds and you, you, and you the S-400 and relationship and hedging with Russia, which many would argue is a very clear violation of the agreements within NATO allies about systems that are uh, uh, interchangeable, that can be used across, you know, across all allies. And so I guess my question to you is, how, which country is in a better position to manage an a la carte side where today we're your friend and tomorrow we're your rival? Well, I think both has uh, similar options. In the end, right now, we are not in a crisis resolution period or mode. Uh, I don't see any crisis in Turkish-U.S. relationship to be resolved anytime soon. But can we, uh, basically, can we manage the crisis better? Can we compartmentalize the relationship where we can work together in areas where our interest overlaps and not work together in areas that our interest doesn't overlap. I think that's a question that faces Turkey and the U.S. Uh, right now, I see that the compartmentalization element is once again back on the table. The, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Black Sea is one of them. Uh, the uh, Afghanistan is one of them. Uh, but we don't have much more, actually, at this stage, because we are running out of the good agenda item. And the fact that the Afghanistan was one of the few positive agenda items in itself tell us about where we are in this relationship. I think one of the major questions would be, in, in the end, as the U.S. Goes, as the U.S. is heading towards this great power competition uh, with countries like uh, China, the question would be how Turkey sees the nature of the great power competition, because in the during the Cold War era, uh, when the uh, when the competitor was Soviet Union. The Turkey perceived a great security threat from the Soviet Union, and that was one of the factors that that was the main factor that pushed Turkey to seek alliance with U.S. and to be a member in NATO. Now the Turkey doesn't have the same threat perception as regards the coming great power competition. Actually, more than the threat perception, Turkey perceived this era to be to providing Turkey with many opportunities, and that where it comes, uh, this is where Turkey. Engages in the so-called the geopolitical balancing act between different centers of power, and I think this geopolitical balancing act between different centers of power 
is what is going to generate more friction and tension in the relationship. Because the, the U.S. side will say, well, this is against being a part of the NATO. So uh, if you are part of the NATO, if you are a member of NATO, uh, it's, uh, you should not be able to that freely engage such a geopolitical uh, balancing act between the West or the U.S., Russia and, and China. The Turkey uh, thinks that, well, you can. And actually, it points to countries like France that, you know, many other countries, maybe they didn't buy the S-400, but many other countries is engaged in a geopolitical balancing act between the U.S. and, uh, and uh, the, uh, China or Russia. I think this, the biggest, the most important factor that will shape the Turkey and the U.S. relationship as we go forward is not what is going to happen in Syria. It's not what is going to happen in Eastern Mediterranean. It is what is going to happen with the great power competition. The first great power competition between Soviet Union and uh, the U.S. gave birth to Turkish-U.S. alliance. And I think the new great power competition between the uh, U.S. and China and the U.S. and uh, Russia has potential to undermine this uh, alliance as well, too, but to contribute as well, too, because the Turkey cooperate with countries like Russia on some files and compete with them on other files. For instance, in Central Asia, in Caucasus, in, uh, in Black Sea, the Turkish-Russian relationship are uh, inherently competitive. There you will see Turkey that, that would want to be uh, closer to the West. But on other places, like in Syria, you see the Turkey and Russia enabling each other, or in, uh, in Libya. So I think it is the great power competition that will decide the future of Turkish-U.S. Uh, Turkish relationship and the U.S. approach to Turkey and the Turkish approach, uh, Turkish approach uh, to the U.S. It's not the democracy in Turkey. It's not the Middle East. It's not the Eastern Mediterranean. Well, fascinating. Howard, let me ask you about this role of, of, of Turkey as balancer and bridge. Does Turkey see itself as a big player in helping to create a new reset or a different dimension of relationship broadly in the region? Or does it double down and say, well, we've supported Qatar. We have a real problem with how uh, some of the other Sunni-led states are operating, um, and, and we want to keep this divide. Sure. I think it's a great question, and, and I think that it ties nicely to, to Galip's point, which, which I think is really important, that uh, the, the way we think about the U.S.-Turkish relationship has been largely defined by the Cold War, which has been over now for, for decades. And what we're seeing in large part is uh, both countries sort of negotiating what a relative decline in U.S. power is going to look like and Turkey's role in it. I think that where I would where I would shift the language a little bit is I uh, from from Galip is is that I think that Turkey sees itself as uh, a an emerging great power. I think that Turkey sees sees the world as developing into a multipolar system in which Turkey can play a very large role, not just in the region, but but uh, around the world. Um, what I think, to go to your question, I think that what's going on within the Middle East is a certain de-escalation from a pretty ideological conflict that was that it had emerged between between states, between Qatar and Turkey on one hand, and uh, uh, the UAE, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt on the other. Um, I I think that that is. Um, I think that that reflects uh, uh, the the way the Syrian conflict 
uh, uh, resolved itself. I think that it it uh, was a matter of not seeing a lot of profit or or a lot of change developing from that conflict. In other words, nobody was particularly profiting from it. And so I think it's within the region we see a de-escalation, but I don't think that that changes the, the, the core idea that Turkey and Saudi Arabia both see themselves as emerging powers that uh, that are going to uh, work outside of the U.S. umbrella, right? That they're not, they're not going to be constrained by uh, U.S. interests. Thank you, Ben. Galip, let me just ask you a question that's been out there in my mind for a long time. You know, one of the, one of the other touch points that used to define this relationship uh, was this gentleman in Pennsylvania, Gulen, uh, and and uh, President Erdogan's obsession with getting him over. When the Trump administration came in, uh, his national security advisor, Mike Flynn, uh, allegedly was interested in finding a way to move Mr. Gilland, to allow an extradition of him to Turkey, uh, one way or another. And, and you just sort of felt the transactional dimension of that, uh, even if half the story were true. And I guess my, my question to you is, you know, I know things went sour with the Trump administration, but is, from your knowledge of President Erdogan and the way Turkey looks at, it, at the world, is it that transactional? Which raises a really interesting question about an alliance with another country. If it is that transactional, if it is that dependent on circumstances, should the second obvious question is, should Turkey really remain uh, a member and an ally within NATO? Uh, yes, it should remain a member of uh, NATO. And I think right now, within NATO, many countries are engaged in transactional uh, transactional uh, relationship. Uh, so therefore, uh, this is more about the nature and future of the NATO mm. than uh, than the Turkish relation with NATO in itself. I mean, just look at the language uh, right now in France regarding the NATO, regarding the U.S. So therefore, right now, I think the debate that has been generated over Turkey can be extended to broader uh, nature and the future of NATO in itself. Uh, so uh, that's the first part. The second part, I think the Gulen story had a very special case. Uh, the, the coup, the trauma that was generated by coup in Turkey at the societal level, at the political level, I think put this issue completely on a different uh, level. So the, the, Gulen, the Gulen story, in a sense, this is like part of where the trust element in the relationship has been very much, very much, uh, very much eroded. As the U.S., as the level of trust uh, in U.S. towards Turkey is very low, the level of trust in Turkey towards the U.S. is very low, and the, the uh, February, uh, the coup attempt uh, played a major role there because the vast majority of uh, a very significant chunk of the people at both societal level and political level, whether it's genuine or not genuine, that's beside the question, believes that the U.S. had at least knowledge of the coup in advance if it's not had a hand in it. And the presence of the Gulen in Pennsylvania was one of the major, major uh, talking uh, talking mm -hmm. points. So in this regard, I think this story in itself is a unique uh, case. Right. But when we go to, but when we go to the broader uh, nature of the relationship, I think on the one hand there right. will always be a question. There will always be a question: To what extent can you be transactional in a treaty relationship? But the reality is right. now we have been for many years now. Great, thank you. And, and then, Howard, it's finally, um, 
There was this meeting uh, uh, just recently between the Turkish deputy foreign minister, uh, Sadat Onel, uh, I believe, and he met with Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman. I don't know what they talked about. They also met with Victoria Nuland. And I guess the question is, you know, I bet they were talking about refugees. And I think what's interesting, when you look out around the world about refugees, one side of it is thinking about refugees and supporting those refugees. The other side of it is nations, I would say Belarus is using refugees as a, as a weapon, if you will, uh, against Lithuania. You look at the weaponization of the refugee area generally. Does Turkey look at refugees as a strategic asset to manage, and that's what it's discussing with the United States? Or is it just trying to be a, you know, uh, uh, con contribute to the global public good? Um, I think that look, Turkey certainly sees uh, refugees as a strategic asset, less with the United States, I think, than with Europe. But at the same time, it has, uh, it has gone far beyond either the United States or any European state in terms of uh, accepting refugees and caring for them. Mm. So, so I think that, you know, uh, the one doesn't preclude the other. Um, you know, I, I, I think that I want to go back a little bit to, to uh, uh, Galip's statement, because I, we found something to finally disagree about. I've agreed with pretty much everything he's said. But, but I, I don't think that uh, the, the broad Turkish perception that the U.S. was behind the coup is something minor to the relationship. Hmm. I, I think it's actually pretty big, and it's it goes to just how limited the capacity for uh, a broader cooperation is. Yes, there are these moments where where uh, Turkey and the United States can cooperate, but the the broader story is that that Turkey perceives the United States as. Um, as a militia, malevolent mm. power, power. It, it sees it as a power that is working to undermine and limit Turkey. And I mean, it's not mm. it's not uh, a a minor thing right. that the, this prosecution of Osman Kavala, this uh, important civil uh, uh, civil society right. leader, uh, it's based on uh, the 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 idea right. that the United States was behind the coup. And, and I think that that's, that speaks to the way the Turkish leadership perceives the United States. Right. Well, thank you for that. We'll have to leave it there. Fascinating conversation. St. Lawrence University Associate Professor of History Howard Eisenstadt and University of Oxford researcher Galip Delay. thanks so much for these interesting thoughts today. Really appreciate you joining us. Great to be with thank you. you. So what's the bottom line? The United States is going to have some allies with it 24-7. And other allies like Turkey, well, they're just going to be there two or three days a week. Without the black and white days of the Cold War, it's a lot of blurred lines and a lot of shades of gray. If the world was a restaurant, alliances would be a la carte and not prefix. Just like China is slowly but surely expanding its influence across Asia, whether the U.S. protests or not, Turkey's doing the same thing across the eastern Mediterranean and across Central Asia. And if Ankara is coordinating with Moscow, ironically, while still a strong member of NATO, then that's just the way partnerships are today, kind of like Facebook relationships, complicated. The U.S. still has an unrivaled military and intelligence regime, but Turkey sees a window of opportunity to advance. That's going to really irritate the United States. But the truth is, America's going to have to negotiate with nations like Turkey in order to accomplish what it wants in the world. And that's the bottom line.